What it is? What's up? I should have got my Yeti out for this podcast episode in the cut. Tell us this, a societal podcast. We're back with another sports episode. Now, this one is hopefully shorter because it's not completely based on even the eye test. I have not watched a ton of college basketball this year, uh, here and there. But I have watched the two teams that are in the title and the two teams that will likely be representing the NCAA in the uh, championship. And it's because they both played my team, which is uh, Auburn Tigers. Um, if you're a fan of either of those two teams, you probably remember beating the shot of us on route to your Final Four appearance. Um, but I kind of had the feeling these were, like, definitively, like, a step above the rest of the league for a while and i don't think i'm alone in that i mean this was the most chalk prediction ever but it was by far and wide the most predicted outcome of the uh, tournament and even the other one seeds I, I don't think anybody had michigan without livers really in the same r as those two teams and uh, i think illinois was just too flawed a team um, both on defense, kind of how they got their buckets, uh, more in ISO. To really be in that lane, you get to the two seeds, some very talented two seeds. Uh, Alabama, you know, they probably play one of the more entertaining styles of offense you'll see. Um, Houston, very, very flawed team. Um, who's other two seeds? Um, anyway, it's not about them. So going off from there, I'm pretty much going to just run down, like, you know, the depth charts, give my two cents. Um, I've seen, I think, the past two Baylor games and the past two Gonzaga games, and that's kind of what I'm basing things around. Um, I watched I think, good enough amount of basketball to kind of have an idea of what I feel like these two teams are going to want to do and try to take away from each other. So hopefully I can make this entertaining. Um, let's go on to the break. Okay, so off rip. Just understand this is not a prediction necessarily of what will happen in the next week when the last two games are played of the Final Four. Don't look at that as this. It's not necessarily. Um, I just have the feeling that I have about these two teams, um, and that's the feeling that I've had since pretty much, I would say December, maybe January at the latest, about what this is going to end up being. And, you know, it's kind of come to fruition away. Um, but, again, I'm not making a prediction. With that being said, I guess it's just covered a little bit, kind of, I guess, how it could play out. Um, we'll start with the easier, I think, of the two to kind of get a feel for. Um, Gonzaga against UCLA. Um, UCLA today that just finished playing about 20 minutes ago, It it's not um, – the ways of how they could win, to me, are not very numerous, right? They're bigs, and Nwaba, I, I don't think they've played Nwaba much in the past couple of years. They had to break them out like in case of emergency. But they primarily played Cam Riley, I think, about 35-plus minutes uh, in these tournaments. Um, he got into foul trouble, uh, had a – he got fouled on a play. He pretty much had to foul to kind of stop the uh, layup from going in. But was in foul trouble for a minute. And then Nawabo also, I believe, had three. Um, and they kind of pretty much both are a little bit undersized height-wise. 
and they play with a lot of body. So it's kind of about the refs, I think, on some level, because if they refs to say, okay, well, we want we're gonna give Timmy what he wants as far as being on the rim and getting contact. If that happens, uh UCLA's gonna have a long ass day. And ja, uh, Hawkes was able to really play some um some post and, and around the rim uh, against Alabama, but Alabama is and has been for the past couple of years um, a very undersized team down low. Um, they have some guys that are big, but they kind of just don't play big very often. So there's something to keep in mind that Hawkeyes doing that is probably more feasible than against, you know, 6'10", uh, 240, 50, Drew Timmy, who also has like, pretty good moves. I think that's the other thing that, that I'm starting to really understand about Timmy is that, like, he was great against our bigs. Um, and obviously, this was like we have like the youngest team in Division One, but like we have length. And he was just bodying length, and we had one guy who's a little bit more stout and had some length, but he just was not very mobile. Um, Timmy's footwork still got him his spots against that guy as well. So it, I mean, it's just tough to get around that dude. Um, and I, I think that if Riley appears to me to be a little bit more grounded in kind of how he bodies. Like, I think the wobble was just like kind of like you put a shoulder in my chest, I'm putting the chest back at you. And I don't think he would last very long. But I mean, think about the thing that does help them is that from what I understand, the guy that I saw that played against us that was like their quote unquote like backup center, he had like a, like a fucked up like thumb or some shit. Like he had a bad thumb. And um, they played as Watson cat uh, 17 minutes today since say 225 probably more of a four than a five but essentially what occurs is when timmy does sparingly get a rest he kind of just pretty much play undersized kisper will play some five watson will play some quote-unquote five they pretty much just survive at the as like small ball um so that's i mean that's something to keep in mind there i think but either way i think that ucla will probably not really consider the notion of trying to play quote unquote big. I just don't think that's something they'll be too terribly interested in. And then you go from there to what I think is more important is perimeter against perimeter. Um, it, you know, it, it's tough. You know, there are three guards. Uh, Kisper can play inside out. Um, they're just so fucking precise with the ball, like passing the ball. It, I mean, you look at the assists. Suggs lead guard gets eight. Nimhard gets four. Ajayi gets three. I mean, that's <laughs> 15 assists amongst, like, your three lead guards. I mean, that's just insane to even think about. And it's not like they necessarily – like, I think that at moments, Nimhar will go a little bit ISO. Uh, Suggs will kind of take a couple of shots that are a little bit a little bit wild. But, like, for the most part, they play system ball. Like, they don't just go around, you know, hogging up. Like, it's not like the usage rate between those three. It's just so massive high and then, like, everybody else. Arabas being Timmy at Kispert basically just exists. Like, that's not really the case. Uh, it's pretty much equal opportunity, as you can see, with Timmy also having four assists. Um, but, yeah, um, I don't really want to do a, too much of a breakdown on this one, but I would think um, – it's not like UCLA. I mean, because like, I got the best defensive guards of all the time, but, like, I think Suggs can keep up with – I would imagine he'd be the main matchup on Juzang. I think he can keep up with him pretty well. Um, 
Ajayi is really quick himself, so him against uh, short count the dreads, that should be interesting. And then you have the fucker who's like over like 20 from three for like the past two games that kind of came on. That would probably be like there, because I think he has a couple inches on Nimhard. That might be their matchup. I don't know if they'll try to put Joe Suggs on him or whatever, but pretty much I think Ajayi through Suggs is pretty much about 6'4", um, 6'2 to 6'4". Yeah, Suggs is 6'4". Uh, let me see the other cat. I think Nimhard is 6'2". Nimhard is 6'5". Shit, he's 193, so something to keep, keep in mind. I think Juzang's about probably 215, so something like that. And then Ajayi is 6'5". They got good height. They got good height. Very skinny, but they got good height. And like I said, I mean, they can't really play in a post too much because of just the way that... Gonzaga does a really good job of packing the paint. Um, USC was obviously like a far more athletically superior team than uh, UCLA. They got around, like, in the general vicinity of the rim and the paint, but, like, they just... Anytime they got, like, within, I would say, about five feet any direction of the... Um, the art under the rim, I, I, it was pretty much just tough. Like, it was all, no, everything was tough. Nothing was easy. Everything was tough. Uh, you can contend, you know, maybe, you know, one side was allowed to be more physical than the other. I don't know. But, like, that's how I looked at it. And, you know, I think the, you look at the fouls, I mean, it's like a finish with more fouls than USC. So, they gave USC a reasonable amount of contact. But, yeah, um, I mean, that, I mean, after this matchup, you really can't play around the paint any more than any, like, USC. Like, USC, its entire offense was designed pretty much around going to the rim whenever possible. So you can't challenge Gonzaga any more than they did, and I respect him. I don't think it's – for what I've seen these past two games, I don't think the rim really necessarily matters that much to USC like, or UCLA. I think driving, obviously, things that – of that – you want the lane to be open for Tiger, Tiger Campbell who, you know, kind of can make a lane out of anything. But, you know, for the most part, they're not a team that plays around the room. So, yeah, I see USC um, or Gonzaga getting that one fairly easy. Pretty much just, like, kind of sit in a zone, especially if um, old buddy isn't hitting. Uh, the other lights can cat that's not Juzane. Uh, if he's not hitting, you know, Tiger kind of is more of a drive first kind of point guard. Um it's going to be a long day. And their bigs don't shoot threes very much, so it's going to be a really long day for them. They can't get break through that zone. Um, so Baylor against Houston. I can't really speak to this one too much because I don't know Houston's team that well. I know Quentin Grimes is nice, but that's about all I can say. It has some cat, uh, dark-skinned dude, that supposedly, like, fucked his hip up, but, like, he's been hooping ever since then. I still like Baylor over Houston. I just think the entire first seems to be pretty good there. Houston's road, from what I've seen, who they played at this point, it's just fucking about. I think Alabama probably is the only weaker road at this point that I could think of. <laughs> Alabama's road is pretty weak, but Houston's is uh, comparable in terms of weakness. So you go on from there. I've been going for about nine minutes, pretty much about uh, Gonzaga and UCLA. I think it's going to pretty much be the main event um, as far as – I guess both of these are regional matchups. So Gonzaga is like in what um, – where the fuck is – I know Gonzaga's a West team, but I don't know where the hell they're at. I would imagine California based on how much I hear about them. Spokane, Washington. Okay. I don't – what the fuck? Okay, Spokane, Washington. Cool. Um, so both the regional matchups, one is intrastate. That should be interesting. But um, 
UCLA is a darling, and Gonzaga is, I would think, the if if you had to do a spread right now, probably the five-point favorite on Baylor. So now probably the bigger matchup of the two. But we'll see. So now getting to the actual matchup at hand, uh, we have, I think, uh, Jackson Frank, who's a good basketball uh, dissertation or dissector, um, you some reference some statistical measures that basically came to the conclusion that the most efficient um, teams in the past, like, I, don't know, I think it's a statistical error, like advanced statistical error has been so the past 20 years or so, at least, um, maybe longer than that. Villanova, Kentucky, and this Gonzaga team, and that's a rarefied error. I mean, that Kentucky team was breaking the, the backs off a pretty decent SEC team, uh, SEC conference. Um, it's killing out-of-conference teams. Got in some trouble uh, as they got into the NCAA tournament, but other than that Wisconsin game, looked like maybe the best team since UCLA in the like the 60s. Um, and, you know, Villanova had maybe the best tournament run we've – some of us have ever seen. Um, definitely the most efficient, like, off like, – the closest thing you'll ever see to, like, a well-ran NBA offense – on a college level, was that Villanova team? Um, actually, I didn't see what year that. I actually don't remember what year the Villanova was. Um, it could have been. That's the crazy thing about Villanova. It could have been the one they beat UNC, but as I interpreted it, it was the, the second run with um. I think it was. I think Josh Hart's last year, and they beat the dog mess out of Michigan. That was the – if I was thinking about a statistical measure, that would probably be the more dominant run. But let's say it's that one because that was a more dominant run statistically than the, uh, the aforementioned one. Gonzaga, to me, is not better than Kentucky by any measure. I just think that they don't have enough uh, in the front court to win that matchup. I, I mean, Kentucky can throw, like – five high-tier college guards in the Harrisons. I mean, Euless can kind of keep up, like, foot speed-wise with Ajayi, but obviously the half foot. But, I mean, like, Jones – am I thinking about – Tyler Euless, not Jones. Tyler Euless stayed in front of, like, a lot of bigger guards. Like, he played with bigger guards. He knows how to play with bigger guards. But, I mean, like, how many people stand in front of Tyler Euless? So that's something to keep, keep, him, keep in mind there. I'm sorry. Um – yeah, I mean, they had, like, five, like, legit guards. They had Booker and they had another dude I'm forgetting about right now. But, um, like, legit, like, great guards. Then the front court, I mean, they had, I think it was, I think the Kari Johnson, um, I'm looking it up right now. Obviously, Cat, uh, was it Randall? Am I getting that right? Was Randall on that team? Or Willie Cauley-Stein? Am I, am I one year ahead? Let me see. 2014, 2015. This should be the one. Yeah, this should be the one. All right. Um, so Willie Cauley Stone, I forgot about him. I think he played him as a four. I think he went two bigs and played him as a four. I may be wrong about that, but I think that's what he did. Uh Dakari Johnson, who was great. Um, Marcus Lee had some some decent moments. Trey Lyles, that's what he played the four. Trey Lyles, I forgot he was on the team. Holy shit. The Alice Poitras, remember him. And then Cat. So Poitras is a good defensive uh, for Trey Lyles. 
kind of became better after he left. Um, but he was still a very athletic forward. Marcus Lee got some moments. Dakari Johnson. So they have three like legit seven seven footers. And Willie Collie signed the athletics and played the four. And then he had Booker, Aaron Harrison, Andrew Harrison, Dominique Harkins, um, and then Tyler Eulis, uh, around the guards. And that's other like weak here as a guard. So yeah, I mean, if you just wanted to associate this with history, like I mean, Timmy is fouling out. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Like so they're at least having two bigs foul out in that game. It, it's almost got a, a work of magic that like um, Calipari was unable to. Like I know they had, you know, maybe you could consider that uh, old buddy, the the tank Frank the Tank was like maybe a player of the year candidate or maybe the player of the year. Okay. But how do you have an entire game go by where three players are unable to foul that guy out? Three or two elite players, I would say. And then, you know, you can say that, uh, what's his name? Dakar Johnson was a pretty decent, like, college level player. Um, then you have Poitras, too, like, and Trey Lyles. <laughs> I don't know how you lose that game, but I don't think they'd lose in this situation. I just don't see that happening. Um, I could be wrong, but I don't see that. I don't see that happen. Was that, was that one season over? Let me see. I might have been one season over. Let me see. Did I get the right one? Randall was the, the one before this one. Okay. Randall was the one before this. Randall was gone on this team. Okay, that makes more sense. But I didn't have the right team. The right team was 2014-2015. But, yeah, Randall was one over. Okay, um, and then Villanova, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know about that one. It's really about styles and matchups. You know, Nova plays system ball themselves. Uh, I think it was 2018 Villanova. Let's see. I think that would have been 2018. You had 2016 Nova, and you had 2017 USC. I think it was 2018 Nova again. So 2017, 18. Let's see. Semifinal defeated Kansas and defeated Michigan. Yeah, okay. They won every game of turnover by double digit margin, and the team turnover was the most dominant ever, along with the best football team. Yeah, so they had the best turnover run ever. Yeah. So I mean, this was like, this was a team that like already like being content with a championship is something that actually does happen. You know, it's kind of more of a historical thing when like you have. Kind of guys that actually stayed like more than one year used to be different, right? But and they 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 were number one seed overall in the previous tournament, like the the one in between the two titles. So they had a lot of mileage. They had a lot of success. They did. They did lose Josh Hart and Chris Jenkins, which I thought they still had them. They got Colin Gillespie was <laughs> Colin Gillespie. <laughs> that's fucking crazy. Colin Gillespie was part of this class. Holy shit, he's been a four fucking years. Colin Gillespie has seen like what, like fucking like three number one seeds at, at Villanova? Okay, so they had Jalen Brunson, Colin Gillespie, Eric Pascal, Phil Booth, who's a you know pretty clutch in himself. Dante DiVincenzo was like the fucking sixth man like the goddamn year. Omari Spellman, uh Mikhail Bridges. I mean, that's look at that court. All right, Jalen Brunson. I think if I had to guess what the starting lineup was, because Darren Chinsel was like number six off the bench, uh, off rip. 
I would think, just looking back and trying to think for a second, Bronson, Booth, uh, Bridges, Pascal, and Spell would be my guess of the starting five. I can look it up after this, but that would have been my guess. But looking at their run, and let's look at let's you know extend it past the tournament. Let's look at you know the past couple uh, last few um, regular season games. I'm sure they probably had the first seed locked up at this point, but let's just kind of see if they were still trying to you know be confident. You know, so St. John's number one ranked lose to St. John's by four. Still number one ranked going to Butler, win by eleven. Number three at Providence, they drop a game. Um, at number four, Xavier, they win by I believe that's sixteen points. Uh, number three against Paul, they win, lose against Creighton in overtime, beat St. Hall in overtime, and beat Georgetown. So you can see this and think, like, okay, this is a really good team, but probably not, like, you know, the best run ever. <laughs> they were number two going into the Big East tournament. Like, they were not the best team in the Big East. Uh, beat Marquette by 24, beat Butler by 21, and then win an OT by 10 against Providence. So that's three double-digit wins in that situation. And you throw in one against Georgetown. It's four double-digit wins at this point. Beat Radford by 26. I actually watched this game because my fucking dickhead friend thought, oh, you know, Colin Seston is so good and John Petty can kind of be decent when he's at home but fucking ass anywhere else. People are actually saying that fucking Alabama could upset. Like, people are just saying Alabama could upset the scene. Lose by, I believe it's 23 points, and it wasn't that close. Um, they they fucked up Colin Sesson. Like, Colin Sesson still got his a little bit, but they fucked Colin Sesson up. West Virginia, number 15, beat them by 12, or seed 15. 14 seed Texas Tech, beat them by 12, beat the breaks off Kansas. This, I think it's at this point where everybody was like, okay, this is this is a championship team. Uh, beat the breaks off of Kansas. And then beat Michigan, uh, number eight seed, by... 17 and it was not that close. I do kind of remember that game a little bit. It was not that close. Uh <laughs> yeah, so fucking crazy. I don't know if they're that good, but you could maybe contend if you wanted to that they were, you know, close. But I mean, Dante DiVincenzo was a sits man. He was fucking like fucking. Like he was he was he was uh giving work. So yeah, it was Phil. It was I, I got the guards messed up. I got to get the fours messed up too. So it was Phil Booth to the one, Brunson to the two, Pascal to the three, then Bridge at the four, and then Spellman at the five. Um, yeah, they got in that ass. That's all I was like to say from that. So let, let's just think for a second. So you got Phil Booth against um, Ajayi, Jalen Brunson against um, against I. Well, no, you'd have. Booth against Solos, and then you have Ajayi uh, against Brunson, and you have Pascal. <laughs> Pascal against um, Nimhart, and then Bridges against Kispert. Oh, shit. And then Amari Spellman against uh, old buddy uh, Timmy. That would be fucking fun, but I, I think that Nova is like 10 points better than that. Like, not, maybe maybe eight points, but like, then you, you, you add in different chances, that's where it's like, Stark is out of hand. Like, Watson is like, their reserve player, but like they don't have they don't have the same depth. Like they kind of get off on being just so efficient, but they're starting five. Uh Nova and Nova had Colin Gillespie coming off the bench too. 
um, freshman Colin Gillespie, but Colin Gillespie all the same. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that one going too favorably for um, for them. <laughs> I just don't see that one happening very well. Uh, I, you know, I'm sorry, but I just don't. I look at the, the you know, the way things go, and I'm like thinking to myself, like that's just not, that's not, not the way for for Gonzaga. But Gonzaga doesn't need to be historically good. He's need to win this game. And looking at this game, finally, I, what are we? 22 minutes. In, <laughs> holy shit! 22 minutes, and then we're finally getting around to talking about Gonzaga and Baylor. Uh, people are gonna hate me for this. I'm gonna stop it here, so people are like, if people are looking for um, a segment division. Here's a segment of vision right here.